You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Another episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is Anthony Lewis, joined once more by Aurora Bubaloo. Aurora, we've got to, uh, you and I have to, like, get, uh, like, assignments, like, aboard the, the ship that is this podcast. Yes. Because yes. Ben, ben has a rank. We yeah. don't. We don't. I would love to be a science officer. Uh, so what's, like, the typical science officer ranking, then? Like, lieutenant? Mm. Lieutenant commander? Mm. Sure. You want, like, There's a lot of lieutenant commanders in uh, in science in Star Trek shows, isn't there? Yeah. There is, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Lieutenant Commander Aurora Bubaloo, how are you doing, Aurora? <laughs> I'm doing well. I can I be just like Chief Petty Officer? Can I do that? <laughs> oh yeah, you could. Be, you could. Well, you could be the chief. Yeah. yeah, yeah go yeah. for the non commissioned officer rank. Yeah. I mean, nobody ever does that. Everybody goes for like captain or, of course, Ben is fleet admiral. I earned. But... I earned my pips. That's right. Ben did earn his fleet admiralship in so much as that he played Star Trek Online to the rank of... Yeah, but I, I ground that out on PC over however many years it's been. That's true. That, that, is, that, that was earning earned. a rank. That was earned. The amount of grinding you have to do, for sure, oh, that yeah. is an earned rank. Uh, ben, how are you doing, man? I'm well, thank you. Oh, boy. We've got the f- third episode of star trek discovery to talk about but like the second pilot but they really are doing some callbacks to tos here what with the two pilots and everything mm-hmm. uh this is episode three called context is for kings and it is essentially the real start of the show as we discussed on last week's episode the two-parter was really more of a prologue and this is sort of where the show uh, kicks off in earnest. So let's talk about what happened on the show, and then we can talk about all the other things, our thoughts, and where we think the show is headed. So we begin uh, six months later, six months after the Battle of the Binary Stars, and Michael Burnham is on a prison transfer, and uh, some stuff happens. Some What do they say? Some bugs? Did they say bugs? Do they actually say bugs? I think they may have yeah, said Yeah, li- lightning <laughs> bugs. Yeah, yeah. There apparently. are bugs. Thankfully, Michael Burnham was there because they're like, <laughs> We're, there's some bugs. And she's like, actually, that species GS54. Which... Can I just say, every time you say Michael Burnham, I, I think it may be because we have the, the mayor of Manchester is called Burnham, yeah. Andy Burnham. And every time I hear someone talk about Michael Burnham, I expect it to have MP following it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Michael Burnham, MP, today announced his resignation from the cabinet. Aren't you happy that I'm just not Americanizing the name Burnham and saying Burnham every time? 
Because that I hadn't that is thought the... about it, but now you've mentioned it. Yes, yes, I am glad. <laughs> that is the instinct. I mean, they do pronounce it as Burnham on the show, but mm-hmm. the the American you, you instinct. Do, you do that, and I'll give you the um, the, the Welsh place names again. <laughs> no, thank you. Mm. Good old Mikey Burnham. Uh, she she corrects us. Uh, she lets us know that that it's not just bugs. It's a it's right. a species with a scientific categorization. They feed on electricity. Uh, their shuttle pilot has to go EVA to try to clear them out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as fate would have it, an accident occurs, and their shuttle pilot is disconnected from the EVA and is apparently uh, dead. I guess would one would presume. Although, uh, seconds later, the shuttle is rescued by the USS Discovery. One would imagine that since the Starfleet officer lost, uh, disconnected from the EVA, was in a spacesuit, you think Discovery could have just beamed them on board, right? Collateral damage. There was, like, no mention of that ever. Yep. Anyway, this is the titular ship uh, that we see in the opening credits, the USS Discovery... uh, should I should I just tip my hand now about what I think this ship is? Uh, it may be a little too on the nose, but as people have already pointed out, the 31 is in the registry of the ship, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of talk that this show is a show about Section 31 and mm-hmm. not so much about the United Federation of Planets. There are some other things... Aside from the ship registry, which I at first thought was a little too on the nose, but as people have been pointing out other things, it does seem more and more possible that that is the direction the show is headed in. Uh, But they are rescued by the USS Discovery, and she spends, after spending several days on the ship uh, and meeting some of the crew, including Saru, who is now the first officer, uh, having switched roles with Michael Burnham, he is now uh, second in command. Uh, behind Captain Gabriel Lorca, and Captain Lorca wants uh, Michael to assist them with a scientific assignment. Uh, Burnham overhears Lieutenant Paul Stamets, the astromycologist on board, who is uh, leading an assignment uh, to discuss uh, an upcoming experiment with a colleague serving aboard another ship. We soon learn about that other uh, that other ship as it is Discovery's sister ship, the USS Glenn. And there is a problem. Uh, the entire crew is dead. Stamets leads a boarding party to investigate, uh, finding everybody uh, hideously twisted and mangled, as well as a group of Klingons who apparently were also there for some reason. <laughs> they were just there. Uh, they were all killed by some creature thing that we yeah. sort of get a good look at, but not really. Uh, this prompts the, uh, the boarding party to run for their lives, uh, barely escaping aboard shuttle. Lorca later asks Burnham to continue working for him aboard Discovery, despite her sentence, explaining that he organized the circumstances that led her to him so that she could help him develop a new way to fly that could help them win the war that she started by killing Takuvma. He has also secretly had the creature aboard the Glen transported to the Discovery. So, Ben, context is for kings. What did you make of the episode? Okay, so I I like the episode. I'll start with saying that. Um, The 
I had, I had some. I, it felt kind of jarring in places for me this week, and the only reason mm-hmm. I think was that because I'd gotten a, a sort of feel of what it what it seemed like it was going to be in the first two episodes. This, although it was a soft reboot, I, I had to kind of recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduced some some kind of kind of wacky uh, out there stuff uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the the spore network, which I'm sure we'll talk about in in due course. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I really like. I mean, it's quantum entanglement in Star Trek is a is you know there's nerds everywhere going ah. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was pretty sure that set off your Iconian gateway senses as well. <laughs> oh yeah, big time, big time. Um, it, it certainly had a ring of it, and I I, I too have uh, I noticed the registry which they it just seemed too front and center, didn't it? That registry um, it did for it not to mean something to, to Star Trek fans. Um, in terms of the episode as a standalone. The thing I felt difficult, uh, and I know that they're doing this to us deliberately, is you want your Starfleet captains to be Starfleet. You want them to be, you know, they're the feds, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and you you already know that the the reason we have a notorious film villain cast as, uh, as the captain is because yes. he is not mm-hmm. going to be the most Starfleet of Starfleet captains. Yep. Um, we know that there are some uh we've got a mad scientist working in the research lab uh you know we (laughs) they're setting us up for this is not the star trek it is the star trek universe that you want Mm -hmm, and -hmm. you will feel plenty of familiar things about it and you'll understand the history and the context but this is what was happening the other side you've glimpsed it before um in uh in in enterprise with um, malcolm reed you're now seeing um you're now seeing a, a you know the rest of of that story yeah. once i settled down to the notion that that's what we were seeing um unless they do another soft reboot like tonight but uh once i settled down to that as an idea i felt a lot more comfortable with it um i paused to go back i didn't rewatch the whole episode like i, I think when we were talking about possibly needing to do this week but i did go back and rewatch the um the sort of slightly uh, nebulous uh, quantum entanglement bit uh, with the the spores just so i hadn't you know i didn't think i'd misread it or whatever mm-hmm. um I, I i thought it was solid i i like the darker feel to it but as we've discussed before it's because i like the you know the sort of darker elements of ds9 as well yep. um i i if if this is what it's now going to be uh, i may need another episode or two just to complete the recalibration but but I'm good. I'm good with this. Yeah. What about you, Aurora? How did you feel about the episode? I'm with Ben. I liked it. Um, I just... I have, like, a conflicting feeling with this episode because I... Even though throughout the episode, while I was watching it, I was enjoying it. Like, I was into it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I'm a huge fan of anything sci-fi slash horror and them going <laughs> in that yes. spaceship and seeing all those um starfleet officers just i don't know what i don't know what was that that what that was but it looked so creepy and i like that Mm -hmm. um at the same time i feel i i find myself going like that looks weird or is does that make sense it's just me saying that to myself while i'm watching the episode but i'm enjoying it yeah yeah yeah. um so yeah i mean i i liked it i i but like for example, one thing that I I was like that looks weird is when um, that lieutenant I forgot his name, but um, he's the one that's in the engineering um, mm-hmm. the math scientist guy. 
Yes. Paul Stamets. Uh, yes. By the, by the way, named after a real astromycologist named Paul Stamets. Oh, really? Or, or a real mycologist, not a real astromycologist. Nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's done like TED Talks and stuff about how... Uh, how you know, like everything on Earth is sort of like interconnected, like through plants and spores and yada yada yada. That's kind of like the same thought, but put into space, sort of. So yeah, they're using a lot of this guy's like actual ideas for this character. So yeah, yeah uh, but cool. continue. Um, yeah, you know when he's talking to his friend, and he, the friend's face comes out. <laughs> Of the screen a little bit? Of the screen. I was like, that looks weird. I don't like that at all. Where did that <laughs> technology come from? That's weird. Yeah. I'm not um, surprised they abandoned it a few years in the future. Uh, super creepy. Yeah, is what yeah. it is. I don't know what the purpose of that is. I am okay with just having a flat screen. Which yeah. is talking to me. I think it's the Google Pixel screen uh, 426. <laughs> it's leaked. Yes. <laughs> and it's still creepy. I um, I really like I really like the episode too. But that was after uh, my second watching. After my like my first watching, uh, all I could think of was how much I missed the Shenzo and Captain Georgiou and the. Mm-hmm. That was only two episodes, but I felt like I like that crew and I like that chemistry like way better than I like what's happening right now. I'm like, boy, this feels even darker than those first two episodes, which already felt kind of a little off tone for Star Trek a bit. Um, But this was even like more in that direction. And after like the second viewing and after reading some of those like fan theories and tying some of the stuff together, if it is in fact a show about Section 31, then I can watch it in that prism and it will be a better experience for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the, outside of the whole number, which is again an, a very on the nose thing, and could have just been a random pick, but there's nothing random in Star Trek ever. <laughs> yeah, you'd think when they're picking out like the NCC registry on the ship, like they're very, you know, they're probably making a statement with it. Uh, at least at this point, anyway, yeah. uh, they seem to be doing that with with many of the others. But uh, they had. They had crew with black badges. They had oh, a there were black, definitely other clues. Yeah. yeah, they had a black yeah. alert, whatever that mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by I the way, I thought there was another in, in the um, uh, the Paul Stamets uh, character. Mm-hmm. The the relationship that he has with the captain, um, I thought was interesting because that yeah. that hints at someone who is yeah. Well, it's the mad scientist, but he's just following orders, uh, and he doesn't like the orders because he knows it's. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as he's concerned, it's nefarious and it's not Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that again ties into the whole Section Thirty One theory. I think. Yeah, it sounds it's so Lorca from the beginning. Although he tries to be like charming uh, to to Burnham, uh, makes it pretty clear that this guy has a lot of sway and a lot of pull, and he's basically given free reign to sort of do whatever he wants mm. in this case. Uh, he made it clear that uh, he was responsible for the circumstances that led her to the ship in the first place, yeah. which she talks about, like, you know, I, we were transferred, which is highly unusual because we weren't even informed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, I was sentenced uh, to prison for life for mutiny. And you're just like, join my crew. It's OK. I've got you covered. It's no big deal. I'll just, 
you know, send an email or whatever to Starfleet and they'll be cool with it. Uh, the way the, the way Stamets talked about uh, him, I mean, he called him like a warmonger. It sounded like mm-hmm. him and his colleague were working on stuff together and they were just yanked. Like they didn't have a choice. They were just, you're going here, uh, you're going on this ship, your friend's going on this other ship. They said they were divided so they could work. Uh, mm-hmm. faster mm-hmm. or something like that or try to develop it on two different fronts uh, but it, it certainly sounds like this is a and, and plenty of times uh, you heard people say like uh, Burnham will say something and a crew member will be like well this is Discovery right yeah, uh, yeah. like this is highly unusual and they're like well you're on this ship so yeah. it, it, they made it very clear like if the writers are not coming out and saying okay you got us it's about section 31 they put about as many hints as you possibly could into this episode that this is not your traditional Starfleet ship uh, that is operating under the traditional rules and regulations. It begs a question, though, doesn't it? Is hmm. what's what's uh, Cadet Tilly doing on a ship like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there must. I'm guessing there there will be a revelation as to why she's on that ship in due course. But she must uh, have that's... some sort of skill or something that they are finding useful. But she seems like the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed regular old Starfleet cadet. Yeah. She was yeah. Like I, an episode I was, of Next I was Gen. so excited when, when uh, Michael co- goes into the room and she's like, oh my God, I I thought I wouldn't have a roommate because of my condition. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, what's her condition? I want she's her condition to be... Oh, no. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something super weird and it's just that she's just allergic. <laughs> yeah, you're on my bed. <laughs> I, have, I have specially made pillows and blankets. <laughs> she... Like, There's going to be some really angry geeks out there if they basically <laughs> Big Bang Theory her and I, say, I, you know, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's got allergies and she's not very good at maybe the, the physical training that Starfleet requires, yeah. but, you know, she can really do maps. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to... they do that, there's going to be a lot of angry geeks. I'm just going to go <laughs> ahead and say it right now, Reginald Barkley's grandmother. Oh. That's got to be her, right? <laughs> She mm. marries into the Barkley family, and eventually we get Reg Barkley. Uh, <laughs> I just totally got like a Reg Barkley vibe from her, like the neurotic, a little weird. Uh, you know, you're right. <laughs> I just yeah. kind of got that vibe. She she was totally in a different episode, uh, and I do like that. I, well, actually, on that point, though, can anyone think of any sort of well-known red-haired lineage in the Star Trek universe? Not really. Not a lot mm. of gingers there. Yeah. Very much like Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, only the doctors though. He's got a lot of. Oh, that's uh, true. That's he's true. got a lot of ginger friends. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, people will email us angrily about that too, just like they did last week. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was informed relatively quickly that Sirak was the father of Vulcan logic last week. It was within like an hour of the show going up. Yeah. Somebody's like, uh, you guys, it's right. Which is bad, because as soon as they said it, I'm like, of course, I know. Yeah, I know you sent me the message. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> <sighs> Felt bad. But, uh, yeah, I really like that scene, by the way, with, with Tilly, where she's nervous to be around Burnham. She's scared. Because mm-hmm. uh, they have that scene in her quarters where she's like, Michael, that's weird. You know, are you okay with that name? I'm going to call you Mickey. Is that cool? And she's like, no. Uh, so she's intimidated by her so when they're in uh, the science area or wherever they are, wherever they're working she's like, you can't work here, we have assigned seats, Yeah, which is some, I just, that caught me off guard is like really funny, 
I haven't heard somebody say we have assigned seats since I was in like <laughs> uh, middle school. So uh, this is a dark kind of... glimpse into your past, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Steph, <laughs> you can't sit next to me, dude. We have assigned seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and Stamets like throws her immediately under the bus unintentionally by going like, you can work wherever you want. It's not like we have assigned seats. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, like one of the few like twinkly bright moments in this outside of like Saru offering Michael uh, blueberries or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, this was just like dark, 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 you know, the dark night level of bleakness uh, for <laughs> at least as far as uh, at least as far as Star Trek goes. Um, but yeah, otherwise I really liked, uh, the episode. I, I'm not sure how I feel about Jason Isaacs. Um, although we should accent. say hello to Jason Isaacs, by the way, that's a joke for British podcast listeners. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Some, someone will email in. Don't worry. Um, uh, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about his accent. Um, okay. it's, kind of, it's a little mumbly at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times where I did have to go back and try to figure out exactly what it was he was saying. Uh, but there are all sorts of like little neat. So people were like, cause he's studying ways to defeat the Klingons. And some people were like, why does he have a tribble? And I'm <laughs> like, Klingons fucking hate tribbles. They're like yeah. Klingon detectors. That yes. yes. makes sense that yes. he would do it. And of course, um, there is, uh, should we, should we go through the, uh, the, the little things that they put into this episode? Because yeah, there yeah, is, yeah. uh, Lorca does have a, a menagerie that mm-hmm. the writers are officially calling it Lorca's menagerie. We'll talk about what's in there for a moment. Uh, but there, there are other things. So Michael Burnham gets into a fight with the, uh, her other fellow inmates and mentions Sus Mana, which is the Vulcan martial arts, which is talked about by T'Pol in Enterprise. So yeah, I have a, a question about that scene though, because I oh, didn't get means. I didn't get why they attacked her. So I'm not sure why the guy was so mad. The girl, when they're on the shuttle, she mentions that her cousin was on the Europa. Right, right. So I could see why she would be mad, but none of them at any point on the shuttle. We're just like, I hate you so much. I'm yeah. going to kill you. Like, yeah, and that that was one of the scenes where I was like, that was weird because, one, yeah. I didn't get the sense that they were going to attack her before, mm-hmm. and two, they are in a Federation spaceship. That's right. <laughs> to not uh, do that. Unless that escalated quickly, didn't it? <laughs> unless, of course, it was some sort of test all set up by. It could be uh, yeah. Captain Lorca. Maybe those three people weren't even. It could uh, be yeah. criminals. They yeah. could have, it could have been a Section 31 test. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. moffating us. No. <laughs> and it's not like they're not known for doing that. They they most certainly put, like, Dr. Bashir through his paces in Deep Space mm-hmm, Nine, mm-hmm, testing mm-hmm. him and whatnot. Um, the, I, I think Paul, or not Paul Stamets, uh, Strahl mentions winning the Z Magnes Prize, which was won by Dr. Richard Daystrom in the TOS episode, The Ultimate Computer, and by Dr. Ira Graves in the TNG episode, The Schizoid Man. Mm-hmm. So they're just sort of dropping like tiny little uh, tiny Easter. little things all over Easter the place. Eggs. Yeah. Yes, very tiny like name drops that uh, Burnham name drops Amanda Grayson mm-hmm. and she mention drops Spock, although not by name. Right. 
That okay, so that was a weird scene. As she's escaping yeah. the creature thingy, she's just like speaking aloud like lines from Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was weird. I feel like that was <laughs> only done for somebody to be like, Hey, why were you doing that? And she's like, Well, as it just so happens, mm. uh Sarek's human wife, Amanda Grayson, <laughs> used to read that book to me and her son. Mm-hmm. Wink, 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 wink. Uh, I feel like that may have been the only reason she was reciting Alice in Wonderland. Although there is a tie to this. Um, unfortunately, it's one of my less favorite ties because, as everybody knows, I like to pretend that the animated series is not canon. Uh, however, Spock mentions his mother's fondness for Lewis Carroll's work in the animated series episode, Once Upon a Planet. Yeah. So... Fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, let me see here. There is... Oh, of course. So let's talk about uh, Lorca's menagerie, where he has the body, uh, the bodies of two Cardassian voles, which were the bane of the, the existence of Chief O'Brien on Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tribble in the middle of dissection. So I don't know if that was the tribble that was originally on his desk that he has now killed and is dissecting. <laughs> Or if it was like the uh, the mate of the trill on his desk, uh, and of course a skeleton, which a lot of people said, "Boy, that looks like a Gorn skeleton." The writers, in fact, confirmed that uh, that is a Gorn skeleton in his menagerie. Which, uh, according to TOS canon, anyway, uh, the uh, Starfleet has not encountered Gorn. But you know, again, we go back not officially. Yes, I was going to say, mm-hmm. if we go back to the idea that this is a show about Section 31, not only are those there are those little hints, but it could explain away a whole lot of things. You know, how come nobody's heard of this Michael Burnham character before? Right. Uh, how come they got right. really weird displays that do all three yeah. mm-hmm. It's possible that it's, it could theoretically uh, explain why those ships look like they do if they're using... Uh, material and scientific data and research and components and things like that that are not made available to the rest of Starfleet mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm. just being used by Section 31, um, you know, that could be used to explain a lot of things. I mean, it's not going to explain why the Klingons look like how the Klingons look, but <laughs> yeah, uh, outside of that, it does, it does account for a lot of stuff. Uh, by and large, though, I really enjoyed the episode, and if it if it continues to be like revealed that it is a section 31 show, I'll be okay. But if if stuff goes like weird all of a sudden and it's not that, then I have no idea what the show is mm-hmm. and they're just introducing a whole lot of things that seem like it's something, but it's really not that thing. Uh, before we move on, before we talk about uh, final thoughts or uh, scores, I do want to mention very quickly that uh, I am continuing to watch Orville this week's episode was directed by one Jonathan Frakes. Was and you could really tell as well. Uh, it was fun too. They yeah. did. Uh, they're also well. I mean, so I guess to like the outsider, it would be like, oh my god, look at these people that Seth MacFarlane is getting to guest on his show. But really, if you just if you've ever seen any of his movies, these are clearly people that he's he's friends with, and that's he's calling in some favors. Uh, he got Liam Neeson to guest star last week on this newest episode. Charlie Charlize Theron was the uh, uh, like the main guest star. She was like the villain slash love interest in yeah. this episode. They did so. Have you seen it? Did you watch it, Ben? I did. Yeah, I watched it yesterday. In fact, 
So which next-gen episode does this one remind you of? <laughs> uh, I confess, I was quite drunk when I watched it, so uh, <laughs> eh, wasn't it's, really analyzing too heavily. It's got, I, it's got shades. It's got shades of the episode where there is the the guy who's from the future with his futuristic ship, uh, but he's really from the past, and he's stealing yeah. uh, TNG props to take back uh, to his time and pretend like he invented them. And then it's, he set them, set them up in Blackpool and charged an outrageous admission fee for them. <laughs> that's what he was really doing. That's what you went to. Yeah. I did enjoy Shelley uh, Theron in this, though. I thought she was good fun. She was very good. Um, it, it, it's kind of like it was similar to that episode, except she literally was from the future and not just pretending to be. And she uh, saves the Orville from uh, being destroyed. History records that they were destroyed at this this one particular moment. She avoids that, but uh, in doing so, her plan is to take the ship to the future where the crew is going to be able to live out their lives or whatever, but she sells the the ship, which would now be a, a collector's item, in mint condition to, like, the highest bidder, uh, that sort of thing. And she sort of falls in love, kind of, with Seth mm-hmm. MacFarlane's Ed Mercer a little bit, uh, but he feels like he was played. Uh, and obviously still uh, working out the kinks with the uh, the ex-wife, but uh, for me, the I, I don't know. How did you do? You, do you recall the bit with Isaac and trying to teach him practical jokes? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, put like a the leg. They, yeah. They put like a Mister Potato Head face on him. Uh, yeah. So then he gets revenge by um, cutting off and cutting off uh, the leg of, um, of the helmsman or whatever. Helmsman. Uh, so <laughs> a, I, I just love that he he like comes in like his leg missing. Yeah, and he's like, "What did you do, you son of a bitch?" And he's just like, "Ha, got you." <laughs> Doesn't get humor. All oh, those silly androids—they just don't understand our humor. It's a ama- see. I thought that was amazing because all of the times people were tried to teach Data jokes. Yeah, and like the worst it ever got for him was like pushing Beverly Crusher off a holodeck. Like a holographic <laughs> ship into a holographic ocean. It's like it's amazing that like that was his breaking point to like that's where he stopped understanding what was funny or not. I like that they took it to like this next level that he's like, ah, I took his leg and then I hit it on him. He'll never know where I put it. Um it's amazing that data never went to quite those extremes, but I love that they played with that. Um It, it was it was a it was a fun episode. Um It and... continues to be very different from this show. Discovery, yeah. So. In fact, a friend of mine who was overwatched the first episode last night and was saying that um, you know it's good that they already started the sort of redemption arc for uh, um, for um, the captain and his uh, first officer, mm-hmm. uh, and it it's interesting because you know what, how was five episodes in I think now, and I'm yeah four strange is it four is it and I'm I'm kind of pleased that they are doing the redemption arc with them and that I I finding myself almost interested in what happens in it right so yeah which i did not see coming i am Uh, i am sort of finding myself becoming enamored with many of the characters on the show so yeah it's 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 been fun and it's definitely it's yeah it you're not going to find anything new here if you want to like explore new stories so far everything has been a take off of a previous episode of star trek yeah. Um, I don't know if at some point they're going to try to do their own thing. At some point, I imagine they will. 
um, you know, they're, they're doing their spin on an episode. It's not like they're they're strictly covering it. Uh, they're covering them beat for beat. They're definitely doing like their own little twists on it. But inspired you can see, by, yeah, they're definitely inspired by. They're reimaginings. Let's That's say That's the one. Yeah, um, it's good though. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, they are they are really good. Uh, and also, before we give final thoughts and scores, we should probably thank. Think Geek for helping to sponsor the show. And what better way to do that than to point people to Tribbles? Because we saw some Tribbles this week. One alive, one less so. Uh, although, again, as we've discussed, it may have been the same Tribble. Who knows? Aww. Um, I <laughs> so sad. <laughs> do you know, you know that, yeah, that was fine until he made that really dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not cool, dude. You know, and also, as somebody pointed out, all he had on that table was a triple and a bowl full of fortune cookies. You really yeah. should not put food that oh. close to a triple. Yeah. You're going to end up with like a million tribbles. True. <laughs> it's amazing. Maybe he was just like, maybe he saw it get in to like he walked in and it was like just sitting in the bowl. And he's like, oh, time for a dissection. <laughs> he just knew. It was just, nope. <laughs> You're going into the menagerie. He is one friend. creepy, creepy motherfucker, though, isn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> he is. He is, yeah. Uh, he's definitely... He's actually way more... Ter- I find him to be way more terrifying than Lucius Malfoy ever was. Like, Lucius Malfoy, he, he was more of like a mustache twirler, I guess. He would come <laughs> like at you with, with his, his cutting words and accent, whereas um, <laughs> yes. in, in Star Trek, he's going to come at you with something sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something cutty, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his words won't be the sharp thing. It'll be like a, a knife. Uh, but yeah, you can get uh, your interactive tribbles from Think Geek. I do believe that they do not breed. So that is a plus. I'm pretty is that a sure... guarantee? Are you ensuring uh, people in the event that they do? I just want to know. I think this is a non-breed guarantee. Okay, that's good. <laughs> it does say here that they require batteries to operate, so I'm guessing that these are... In fact, not real tribbles, as best that I can Hopefully, tell. yeah. Just make sure to re- read the fine print, that's all. Yeah, yeah. And if <laughs> they Maybe are thinking... real tribbles, then don't, for God's sake, take advantage of that excellent price, uh, slow mail delivery for countries outside of the US on ThinkGeek, <laughs> including the UK. Uh, it's it's twenty four ninety nine here for your tribble. So uh, knowing how tribbles breed, like if ThinkGeek has a secret tribble farm somewhere... I would imagine at the at the rate that they breed that they would not be charging twenty five American dollars for mm-hmm. a, a triple. Uh, I would imagine uh, they 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 couldn't give them away fast enough if these were in fact real tribbles and they had some sort of farm. Uh, but yeah, uh, the best way to go pick up your uh, your tribbles or something non tribble related from ThinkGeek is to use the link cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek or click the thinkgeek link at the top of the page on cinemageekly.com. Okay, so Ben, any final thoughts on context is for kings? No, I mean we've we've kind of hit every uh, every button on it. Um, I do find it interesting that um, there, there's been a, a, the sort of the thing about the monster um, on the Glen. Uh, I was reading a thing that was saying that apparently we're going to be seeing quite a bit of um, the monster, and uh, we're going to be um, Having the the monster's journey uh, alongside uh, Michael that sounds Burnham's really weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I so have let's no hope, idea not, what let's hope there's that. not too much of that. Uh, but no, I, I I thought it was I thought it was good. It was a good. Monster show. has flashbacks to its time as a baby monster. Yeah, we need to see there the character the character arc for the yeah. monster. <laughs> we want to know what drove it to to mutilate human beings in such a disgusting fashion. We're going to look back at this episode where we were calling um, <laughs> that beautiful creature a monster, and we're going to feel so bad. <laughs> it was just protecting its babies, everyone. Yeah, yeah. you know it'll do, you know they're going to do that. <laughs> uh, what would you give? And who uh, was the real monster on board that's that right. ship? Uh, <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah. You know. Not, not it. <laughs> uh, what would you give context is for Kings Ben? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid four. I wouldn't go higher just on the basis that mm-hmm. I've, I've yet to settle into the, this part of the universe. Yes, um, Aurora. Any final thoughts? Um, no, I agree with Ben. I will give it a solid four. I am cautiously optimistic. Okay. Uh, I would like to point out that I don't think that in the Battle of Binary Stars they called it that, although I think they did call it that in this episode. I think yes. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, uh, the titles of the episodes were mentioned in both episodes, which yeah. I think is a rarity for Star Trek. Does anyone else do the Lois Griffin thing when that happens? No, no. What's the Lois Griffin thing? <laughs> it's a Family Guy episode years ago where uh, they were sat in the movie and it was one of the silly cutaways and it's where the name of the film gets mentioned and every time it happens she can't resist but go, Ow! She said it! <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, that's an excellent Lois Griffin. We, we do that in our house now. <laughs> Um, so you, you, did you guys do that when Lorca was like, context is for kings? <laughs> Naturally. I actually thought, uh, I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's the title. Yes. Burnham said it in episode one as well. She said, we need to give the Klingons a Vulcan hello, mm-hmm. which was, of course, the title. Uh, which means next week's episode title better show up then, because uh, now we're expecting it. Um, I don't have any final thoughts on the episode. I think I kind of ran through um, what I uh, what I thought. But by the way, Ben, it's got to be that uh, that spore transport stuff. That's got to be like Iconian gateway stuff, right? Well, you, gotta you'd be. think you. Um, so or based off of it, yeah. I mean, there's there's various bits and bobs I've read this week. I've not really had time to do much sort of background reading into it, but. Okay, so the, the the point it's obviously uh, as I say a sort of quantum entanglement sort of idea, and we've seen that before elsewhere in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never seen it described as certainly not as uh, Federation technology in terms of um, uh, sort of ship transportation. Um, although um, you know it's 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 not it's not far off. It's a sort of nano version of the um, transwarp uh, network and things like that, isn't it? In some ways, um, there'll be quantum physicists everywhere saying no it's not but anyway you get the point um it's it's an interesting idea i do hope it's not a magic wand uh device uh Mm -hmm. i think that that could be risky and what again it it all feeds into the fact well why haven't we seen this elsewhere in star trek i guess if you're writing a prequel star trek show um the obvious thing to do is say ah yes well you wouldn't have heard of it before would you because officially wink it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, 
you know, I mean, it's nice that they've they've got some things that they can play with in that sense. I, I'm just a little bit cautious. Whenever you introduce something in sci-fi that is, you know, supremely powerful or supremely um, sort of efficient, you know, as soon as you hit the magic one button, you can end up in trouble. And yeah. I just hope it's not that. But yeah, I, I thought of the Iconian Gateway as well. Um, so yeah, I gave the episode three and three quarters. Wow. Um, a little bit lower. I feel like I've been a little bit lower than you guys on almost all of them so mm-hmm. far. It's mm-hmm. uh, not to say I don't like it. Uh, it's just weird. It's it's weird getting used to all of this. The way that they're showing it, the way that they're, uh, like, the visual style, just the storytelling in general. Like, I'm so used to, like, watching that episode of Star Trek and then being able to discuss what that week's episode was about. But mm-hmm. this is not a show like that. This is going to be one of those things where you sit down after the season is over and then you discuss what the season was about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of, uh, the, the way that most binge watch television and stuff is produced, uh, in 2017. So yeah, it's going to take me some time to get used to it, but by and large, I really like the episode and I like all of the performances Mm-hmm. But it is weird for me to see a Star Trek show where most of the people are not good and decent people. <laughs> yeah. It's really unsettling to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we will see uh, we will see where that goes. Uh, before we take off, we bid you to go to cinemageekly dot com, check out the archives of the show, check out some of the other shows we're doing as well, and find us on iTunes and Google Play Music. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Hit the subscribe button. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Jonathan Frakes directing Mm. the Orville's episode this week. On Twitter today, Mr. Frakes put a video for the teaser for this week's episode and said enjoy. So it hasn't been officially announced yet, but I do believe that this coming episode is also directed by Jonathan Frakes. I know he did one this season. So we will get to see Frank's directing style applied to two very different television shows, mm-hmm. yet both kind of Star Trek-like. He's freaking all over the place, isn't he? <laughs> he is He is freaked all over everything. <laughs> he is Riker maneuvering the shit People out of those director chairs. People have got freaking their hair now. <laughs> They've got it on their clothes. It's... Do, you think, do you think the directors, do you think he Riker maneuvers the director's chairs? He's got to, right? I presume does a cheer whenever he does. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits down, everyone, politely. It's, or, it's, they do, it's, or they do the uh, or they do the the Lois Griffin voice and they're like oh he did it <laughs> well I mean uh, Seth MacFarlane could give him a run for his money I mean he just needs to turn that chair around the other way because uh, with that degree of man spreading on the oval uh, it's right. begging for a chair to be stuck there isn't it they are indeed you know. Uh, also another plug this week don't forget if you're in the UK or have VPNs um I don't know. Uh, then you can watch the start of series because it's series twelve of Red Dwarf. Uh, oh, it's, hey, it's another... finally back for another series. Uh, another it's sci-fi on... space show, yeah. Absolutely, it's on. Uh, so I like to think of it as the original Orville. Um, it's <laughs> on UK TV Play if you want to watch it on the uh, on-demand service, and uh, it is. Uh, what channel does it go out on? It goes out on Dave. Um, 
on uh, Dave HD if you have Sky or Freesat or whatever else. Uh, but yeah, so that starts this Thursday. The first episode is already available to watch online, though, if, uh, if you feel so inclined. They're on their 12th series? Mm-hmm. Wow, I they cannot have imagine a long time off. that long. Well, they had a very long time off, and one of the series was a sort of mini-series, I mean, like, mm. even by British standards. Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, was that one episode long? <laughs> I think it was like three. Um, <laughs> and it was terrible as well. Uh, but then they got, uh, they got the, the, the band back together, as it were, and mm. certainly season 11, series 11, uh, was excellent it was a proper return to form series 12 um for uh dwarf fans uh is uh, going to mark the return i'm not sure if it's full-time or if it's part-time but it will mark the return of norman lovett as holly uh who we haven't seen for a long long time in that show i need to i need to start like they were on netflix here for a little bit i think and then got taken off and was always in my queue and i never got a chance to start watching it well, even if you, I mean, if you want to watch a highlight, my favorite episode of all time of Red Dwarf, although there are some cracking ones, uh, my favorite one of all time has to be Quarantine. Quarantine? What series was that in? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to find it on YouTube. Four. I'm sure it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, 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 it will be. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, we, we will return next week to talk more Star Trek Discovery Season 1. Episode 4, with a super Star Trek, the original series title, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Oh my god, he said it!